Thanks for listening to our podcast. Our title sponsor is Peterson Toyota, the largest dealership in Northern Colorado for the past 50 years. Winter is coming at some point, we think anyway. And uh, when it does, they've got a variety of great all-wheel drive vehicles available to get you around through the snow and the slush, like the Camry, the Highlander, the RAV4, and the 4Runner. Stop on in to check out their large inventory and great prices, and their staff will help you find the car or truck that is right for you. If you're in the market for any new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. It's Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Kennel-Mesa, joined by Mike Rowe. Today, we are talking the firing of Steve Adazio on Thursday. Uh, we were actually scheduled to have our monthly call with Joe Parker today, and for obvious reasons, he asked us to postpone until a after a new coach is hire, hired, so we won't talk to him again uh, till later this month at the earliest. But uh, you know, we were we were set to dig in with him and ask why the hell he still felt confident in Coach Adazio and the direction of the program after six straight losses. And obviously, we don't have to do that now. But uh, you know, for me, you know, looking back at the the discussions that we had with him last month and how he was pretty adamant that we need to preach patience and have continuity in this program. And we need to, you know, be accustomed to, you know, just the, the pain that's going along with this losing. Cause it's going to, it's going to, there's some time that's going to take to, to rebuild this program. So all that commentary plus recent texts with him and, you know, just, I, even as of last week, I did not think this was going to happen. Even as of the day that it was announced, the morning, I just did not think it was going to happen, and it did. Um, Michael, I know you felt more strongly that a change was imminent. Um, so I'd be curious to know why you think that. Why did you think? Why do you think he made the move? Well, I mean, you can dissect that last podcast, and believe me, <laughs> Ram Nation fans, CSU fans, dissected every single freaking word. From that podcast, you know, obviously it, it didn't feel great when it was over, but at the same time, it, you know, if you go back and listen to it and, you know, it really came across as, you know, that dreaded vote of confidence. You flat out asked him and, and, and he said, I mean, you know, and, and I mean, literally going off of what, what he said, he's, uh, that at this time, Making a ch coaching change was not in the best interest of the program. Again, at this point, you know, again, it, it, it goes back to that, that vote of confidence that athletic directors, that, you know, vice presidents, you know, presidents of, of professional teams, they say so much of that stuff right before they get fired. Now, again, we were, we were at a point, you know, you think back to, to a month ago, we were at a point where, you know, kind of borrowing off of uh, former CSU head coach Steve Adazio, we were this close <laughs> to honestly being a seven and one, six and two team at that point. You know, and I and I brought it up. We spike the ball. We make that field goal. Imagine how different today would have been. <laughs> Because I honestly think that we we finish out strong if we win that Utah State game. We didn't. And we know what he said. And Joe even said it that day. The optics of what Adazio said, blaming the players, looks bad. That he wasn't trying to throw them under the bus. But again, he still said it. And this team changed completely from that game. Uh, just kind of the way they played. You know, cleaning up mistakes, the way the defense reacted. I mean, the fumbles, the, I mean, the fumbles last week, Jesus. That just comes across as a team that's not caring, that, that's not willing to, to fight for a coach. And, and you looked, they played better in the second half when Adazio was gone. For me, I mean, it, it was pretty plain and simple. You know, you get to the end of the season and you see – an announced crowd of 17,000 people, which we know that there was no more than 10,000 people there. And by the end of the game, the fourth quarter, there was probably hundreds, you know, maybe a couple hundred people there. Um, and you look at that, you look at a schedule next year that's not real attractive. You know, our home schedule is, is not 
there's not a great draw there. So it, it had a recipe for a really bad uh, season ticket renewal or for at least, you know, general, general ticket sales, you know, and you're looking at that and the money that's due on the, the stadium bonds and, you know, and just being able to run a, a department, you look at that and that alone is enough to say, look, we just can't afford to go into next year just as a wasted year because, you know, we feel like we owe it to him to give him another year to see what he can do. And, you know, you probably factor in, you know, you look at our recruiting rankings. What are we ranked right now in the uh, 110th or something? We're at the very bottom, man. And it's, it, there's very not a lot of, of hope. Mountain West. Not a lot of hope. Um, and then you combine that with the abrasiveness that he was kind of showing towards the end there a little bit during the season, but, you know, mostly kept his composure at most times, you know, he had his moments like any coach would, but the, what I think started rubbing everybody wrong was his dismissiveness of, you know, if you don't see that we're this close and you don't see the improvement, you know, then you don't know football kind of commentary, you know, just totally alienating fans, um, alienating and pissing off the media, you know, with that kind of stuff. And really it was, it came off as a delusion, you know, for him to say that we were, we're that close to being seven and five instead of, you know, three and nine is, is ignoring reality. I mean, how did you not see the complete collapse yet? Were there some signs earlier in the season where we were good or were showing glimpses of it? Yes. But it obviously fell, the wheels fell off and we've talked about it. You've talked about it, that something changed right after that Utah state game, when we had the complete Keystone cops field goal that we botched and that who knows what happens if we win that game, you know, it creates momentum. We don't have that potential of divisiveness. Um, you know, and I, I don't think there was anything really to do with the ejection that he had on. I think there, there was some BS to that. And we kind of, he must've said either a magic word or, um, or there was a, a really ticky tacky ref, you know, that, that just didn't like him, you know, for whatever reason. And, and I think Joe is right. You know, if he's going to bat for his players and, and he gets tossed for it. Oh, well, it, you know, one incident does not put you over the edge, but it does kind of go back to what, what his, his um, personality is like, you know, we just saw something come out in, in the news from the Colorado and Kevin Lytle talked about some interaction that the Dazio had with the janitor. And we talked more about that in a bit, but you know, there's just those kind of things. And there was stories of him out of Boston college where he was abrasive with people in the media and certain fans and even some of his former players. So I just think that there was just the fit wise. I think it became evident. He wasn't the right fit. Um, I don't know if he really immersed himself in the community, his wife. I don't even know if his wife ever move out here. I don't think so. Um, and, I, you know, one of the things that Joe said in the press conference yesterday is he wants someone who is an educator for the student athletes, is a real teacher, he's going to build a, a, a culture the right way, like, like Adazio he felt was doing, but also as a key figure in the community. And that is a big part of it. I mean, because at the end of the day, you got to sell your program. You got to have people feel like they're connected to it and want to support it. You know, I just don't think that, that, that Adazio had that personality or was that guy that people got behind. Well, I mean, you can just look at men's basketball and, and CSU football. I mean, you, you go back to, you go back to Earl Bruce. He came in and he really did embrace this community. And that's why when it was fired, there's like a huge fracture in Fort Collins, a huge fracture in the athletic department on the team. And it took someone because he was, he was part of the community, you know, and, and people really liked Earl and obviously what he did. And I mean, he needed to be let go and it took someone magical like Sonny Lubick to come in and bring the community together to bring CSU together and CSU. I mean, Sonny Lubick is for Collins. You know, he is. I mean, he's still there. Like, I mean, we all know and, and we all love Sonny. Stu Morrill, he really didn't buy into the community here. So there wasn't a huge support for Stu. You look at, you know, McKay, McKay came in. Richie, dream job came in. Dude, he bounced in two years. You know, Dale Air came in. Same thing, didn't really embrace the community. 
they didn't we didn't embrace him. Timmy comes in and he man, he's everyone's best friend in Fort Collins. Everyone freaking loved him. Loved him. Everyone loved this program. Steve Fairchild, a CSU alum, came in, didn't embrace Fort Collins. I mean, he that's easy to do when you're an offensive coordinator, when you're the quarterback's coach, but when you're the face of, of the franchise, you got to be out there. We didn't embrace him. We saw what happened with the program. You know, going on to, to Larry, I loved Larry. Great teams. He didn't embrace Fort Collins, didn't live here. You know, him and his wife lived in, in California. We didn't embrace him. Mm-hmm. Again, I loved him personally. I was very supportive of him, but the average fan wasn't. McElwain comes in, just like Timmy, all over the place, talking to everybody, everyone's best friend. Everyone jumped on him. We won. I mean, you're, you're seeing the pattern here. Nico comes in. Everyone loves him. We're winning again. Bobo came in. Same thing. Would rather be looking at a playbook than than out out in the community. Doesn't get doesn't get embraced. Doesn't win. Adazio comes in and just I mean honestly from the start. Now Joel Joel, you and I were on like that first big Zoom call with him. You know he he wasn't like trying to be lighthearted. He wasn't trying to open up to everybody. It was almost one of those things where you know what, I have to be on this. I'm being told I have to be on this. I'll answer the few questions, say a few things. But he wasn't He wasn't trying to get involved with us. I was on another one like a month later with him. Same thing, you know. And people were asking him like specific questions. And it was almost like, why are you asking? You don't know football. Mm-hmm. Why are you asking? I think you there's know, plenty. there's plenty of examples of, of coaches that – don't have that bedside manner that aren't great with fans or in out there schmoozing. I mean, Nick Saban's not warm and fuzzy. Right. But at CSU, it's a, it's a unique place where, you know, we, we don't have, it is not the only show in town. We don't have a great long lasting tradition and a history of winning and something that's going to keep fans coming back every year. You need something above and beyond. So for CSU, you know, I, I see people saying this all the time that I don't necessarily need a, coach that kisses babies and, you know, is out there in the community all the time, you know, shaking hands. You don't necessarily need that, you know, especially if we, if a guy comes in and wins, you know, people just going to support the program, but you see with Nico, what he has done in, in the, the galvanizing of the community that has happened very quickly around the basketball program. That just goes to show that's, that's the kind of guy that CSU in particular needs. I don't know about anywhere else, but CSU seems to do better when we have those kind of guys. And, you know, they will rally around good people in the community, you know, good coaches, good figureheads, you know, more so than a coach that is an a-hole and losing, you know, or, or even if he was winning, you know, there, the, the, the recipe is a coach that, that is out in being active in the community, meeting people and making people feel involved. I think that's important at CSU in particular. Um, You, You look at, you look at Temple, his time at Temple, Philadelphia. They care about the Eagles, mm-hmm. Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, and every one of those colleges' basketball teams in that state. And they probably care more about the Giants than Temple football. You look at Boston College, they care about the Celtics, the Red Sox, the Pats, and the Bruins. That's it. You know, they don't give it, they don't care about that. So you can you can be an asshole and fly underneath the radar for as long as as long as you're winning a few games you know but you can't do that you can't do that in a fort collins you just can't well i um the buyout was three million and i know there are boosters out there who offered to pay the buyout csu opted to do it on their own they owned it they took accountability i like that i'm glad they did that uh, and I'm glad that Joyce and Joe acknowledged the mistake that they had, bit the bullet, you know, now. They didn't waste precious time, you know, for another year, at least, just for the sake of patience. Um, you know, I don't think that the the three million was ever going to be a roadblock to this decision. You know, certainly not a reason to stay at another year just to drop it to 1.5 million next year. What does that mean? You know, there, there's too many millions at stake to not make the move as far as ticket sales and 
uh, support and donations. So, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm glad that they, they did acknowledge that because, you know, that they could easily have said, look, we, we just made this higher and, you know, whether it was Joyce's pressuring or Joe's, you know, final decision and, or if they were truly in unison, I, I don't know, but you have to get that Joe, if it was truly Joe's decision to, to make this move and he had to get buy-in from Joyce. And I, I, I credit them both um, for getting this done because we didn't have a lot of, a lot of hope. And even if somehow Adazio was able to turn it around next year, you know, to a six and six, I don't see the fans getting real enthused about, you know, just a, barely uptick, you know, with the program with him at the helm. So this was a big move. Um, I, did you see Mark Kisla's column? No, I didn't. Yeah. I don't read him at all. Like I was telling I, somebody, here's how much I dislike Kisla. Like I would have, I would have loved to have seen Tracy Ringles be beat his ass at that Rockies game when they got into it in the press box. So, and I can't stand Ringles beat. So, so I did not read it. Well, he basically question he's like how does joe parker still have a job and you know with with all the off the field stuff and um and then you know the extension of bobo and then the bad hire of adazio you know question how does he have a job and you know i i think honestly it's not an unfair question or sentiment you know you look at the investigation last year on numerous allegations, which were primarily from the Bobo era in, in specific to football. Um, you had the Adazios um, dealing with COVID that was brought under scrutiny. And, and some of the stuff was investigated and, and pretty much showed minimal, you know, um, issues there that it proved out that there, there wasn't a whole lot behind some of the stuff, but, you know, other cultural culture issues in the athletic department in general, you saw, we had the Anthony Hill episode. Um, there's harassment issues in the luxury suite and insensitivities within the, the athletic department and the football program. Then just yesterday, there's a story about Adazio. Um, there's an investigation on his interaction with a janitor where he basically intimidated him, basically said he could get him fired and stuff like that. And intimated that there was some, racial insensitivities, you know, that he had called the janitor boy. So I, no one substantiated that, but the investigation talked about that. And so I, I think that, you know, none of these are Joe's acts, you know, but they're happening under his watch and he's responsible and how he deals with them is his responsibility. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not privy to the details of a lot of these internal things that have happened, nor do I know how he's handled them internally. So I can't really get into, you know, saying that these are all minimal and it's just kind of coincidence or he hasn't handled himself well enough. I, I don't know. I just don't, I'm not privy enough to the information, but I, I do think it's an interesting question. And um, the other part of, of Joe being in this role, I mean, people, there are a lot of people out there don't have a lot of confidence in him to make the right pick here. And we, we have debated him extending Bobo after seven, three, seven and six seasons, you know, those were seven and six seasons with bowl appearances, but really bad bowl losses, not a lot of big wins in those seven win seasons. They were bent. Most of the wins were bent against crappy teams, no big wins in there, no bolt, no rivalry wins in there. Uh, but, you know, we've talked about it. Uh, Joe felt the pressure because Bobo was getting calls, you know, about, about jumping ship, other opportunities he was having. And, and I just think that, you know, there's, there's an AD that kind of succumbed to that pressure rather than taking a look at that real hard critical look and saying, you know, I, I'm not seeing enough here that, that we're building a foundation to, to get us to the next level. And he jumped at that, that extension, which cost us financially. Then he, I really, I can't defend. I have no idea what they were thinking in the Adazio hire. Um, you know, even if he did have a resume that was better than his barely above 500, record that he had coming over here. Um, what in the world made Joyce and Joe think that a hire like that would appease or enthuse the fan base? I mean, the guy never had a chance. <laughs> he just nothing. The fans never gave him a chance. And I, I, well, I will not lie to you. I, when I heard the news that we were hiring him, I was sick to my stomach. I hated it. Uh, I, all I could remember was his uh, throwing his headset after CSU beat him in Chestnut Hill in 2014. I'm like, this guy is just a, a hothead. You know, I talked myself and actually giving him a chance and liking him. I like listening to him talk early on. I liked his model of let's play good physical defense and good, you know, um, uh, 
running, established running and, and be good in the trenches and, and be physical. And so I liked all that stuff and I gave him a chance, but uh, obviously that did that, that, that fizzled, but what, what, I mean, what's your thoughts just specifically on Joe, Mike? Um, do you have confidence that he can make a good hire here? Obviously this is his, he better, better get this one right. Um, but in that, as well as the sentiment of, does he deserve to continue with his job as Kisla was, was debating? Well, <clears throat> I know that we'll probably be called bootlickers <laughs> for this. <laughs> Joe has done a great job other than one sport. Um, you know, I've, I've said it before. Tony Frank was the one that hired Mike Bobo. And I'm sure that Tony Frank had it a hand in the extension as well. I don't think it was all Joe, but at the same time, I mean, Joe does – you know, bring it up. We were six and two. And so everything that I've heard, and, and maybe I'm wrong, everything I've heard is that the extension happened when we were six and two and that we were going to wait until after the season to make the announcement. I know I had heard things that week uh, that, that there was going to be an extension. And then, and then we blew it against Boise State and we know what happened the rest of the season. Um, you gotta you gotta give that extension. Now the the contract itself not good. Um, should have been a lot more CSU friendly, and it wasn't. But I don't I don't I don't think that it was a horrible horrible decision to give that extension. Uh, hiring Adazio, I mean same with you. Um, I talked myself into wanting it to be successful. And it wasn't, um, but it's, it's kind of human nature. Whenever, whenever you make a change in, in any kind of company, especially in leadership, if you, if you have a hard nosed leader and it doesn't work, then you get somebody that's a little more uh, relaxed, a little more, you know, employee friendly. You get somebody that's too lax. Then you go the opposite way. You get, you get a hard ass that comes in. And I think that's what this hire was about. You know, we've we've heard, you know, the, the the fracture in the locker room under Bobo and 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 this and that under Bobo. We saw on the field the how undisciplined we were, how we weren't a tough team under Mike Bobo. And so what do you want? You want somebody that's gonna come in, be hard nosed, that's gonna run the football, that's gonna have a tough defense, you know, that's gonna clean up all the, all these issues. That's what Steve Adazio sold us. And, you know, and, and we saw glimpses of it. We really did see glimpses of that over the last two years. He wasn't a good coach. And he's very abrasive. It was a bad hire. You know, you look back, you know, maybe there were a lot better choices. I wanted Blake Anderson. We, saw, we are seeing what he has done in Logan. I thought he would have been great in Fort Collins, um, but we didn't go that way. Now he has to get this right. And Joe knows that. Joe knows that, that if he hires somebody and we fall flat on our face, that this is going to be his last last probably job as an AD. You know, he'll probably get an associate AD because he does a lot of a lot of things well. His hires in the other sports, his changes in leadership in the other sports that have shown – almost immediate results. Mm -hmm. So I'm not on this bandwagon. Of, oh, we got to fire him. We got to fire him. We got to fire him. He knows, he knows that this is his last chance. So, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 um, part of me, when I heard this news and, um, you know, before he actually spoke, yesterday um i i was hoping that you know this was a situation where you know he was he knew that he wanted to make this move over the last couple of weeks and that he was already laying some groundwork and maybe he has i, I don't know um he did say that he he hopes that they can get something done in the next seven to ten days which is pretty dang aggressive if you don't know exactly who you want that's a that's a lot to narrow down in a week to ten days but um you know i was kind of hoping that I had this notion and I've seen a lot of people talk about Gary Patterson. We'll talk through some candidates a little bit later, but 
um, I was kind of had this notion that, you know, Joe is real tight with Chris Del Delcani. And uh, I was kind of hoping in the back of my mind, I built up this scenario like, hey, maybe he's been talking with with Chris Del Delcani and, and talking about Gary Patterson and what kind of fit he would be. And would you suggest that a guy like that would would be great in Fort Collins, you know, from a cultural standpoint and, you know, creating those back channel communications with with uh, Gary to, to say, hey, we're parting ways with Steve and and then the next day you're hiring, you know, you've got your next guy in place. But, you know, part of that, though, is, you know, do you, you know, you, you, he wants to involve this committee. And then these committees are largely there to help with the logistics of the, the search and the, you know, the interview process and all that more so than narrowing down your candidates for you. But, um, you know, I think it is probably smart to, to involve a group. You know, I got the, I know they have an internal committee on campus as well as this, this search firm. Um, but I think that there's no shortage of, I think that there's a lot better coaches out there now than there were when we hired Adazio. Don't you think? I mean, I think that the, 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 I like the names that we're hearing a lot better than I did two years ago at this time. So we'll talk about the, a couple, a couple thoughts on, on candidates here in a second, but one of the things I was at plan on asking Joe today, Mike was coach Adazio you know, after the, the, the 52 to 10 embarrassment to Nevada, the season concluding loss, he had basically said, listen, this was a total rebuild, total rebuild, you know, out of nowhere, just start talking about this total rebuild. Right. And, and said that people have no idea how bad of shape the program was in when he took over. Um, but I was looking back at, at some of his comments. And one of the things he told the Denver post was um, at the beginning of this season, he said, our goal is to hit this thing running and have a remarkable season. That's well within our reach. I've been at places before where you say to yourself, okay, I mean, is it realistic to stand in front of your team and say, we're going to win conference championships or win a conference championship? I don't like to say things that are far-fetched like that sometimes, but in the same breath, I can tell you that I really feel like we need to have that goal of competing for this conference championship this year. So he said that at the beginning of the year. So, but at the end of the year, it was a total rebuild. I mean, so that that's, that's where the delusion started setting in. He had a, he had a coach that was talking about conference championships at the beginning of the season and equating his team specifically to San Jose state who had won it last year during COVID. He basically said, we could be the San Jose state of this year. And uh, then all of a sudden he's changing his tune. It's a total rebuild. And, you know, he just basically moved the goalposts. So, you know, and, and the other thing is, yes, there is some weeding out of, of old players that needs to happen when you take over a program. There's people that don't buy in. There's just, you know, uh, Scott Patchen has said in the media that there were guys that don't love football on the, in the locker room, you know, and there were guys that had to be weeded out, but um, we ran off three quarterbacks, three quarterbacks left. And then next thing you know, Vilecki gets hurt and we had no quarterbacks, you know? And, and so that is a product of you got it. When you come in, yes, you might identify a few guys you're getting out of there, but you better re-recruit the guys that are on your roster and make sure they're staying. So we don't get killed in depth, which we saw big issues in getting killed in depth this year. Um, so, you know, to me, dude, he, he just never showed accountability for anything. It was always something else, somebody else's fault. It was what he inherited. It's, it's, it's not about, it's not about play calling. It's about building this the right way, brick by brick. I talked about that first, that South Dakota State loss. He literally came on and said, you know, the players didn't know how to react with, with so many people in the stands. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> and then the next week we lose to Vandy. He's like, well, you know, playing these 8 p.m. games just isn't good for our program. Shut up. Just be quiet. Own up to it. You know what? South Dakota State was a better team, even though they've lost to three FCS teams this season. You know, tell them, you know what? We didn't have them prepared. Mm -hmm. We thought that they were going to do a little bit different on, on defense. They went straight base on us instead of doing multiple fronts that we thought, which he brought up later after saying, you know, there was too many fans in the freaking stands. You know, own up to it. Say, you know what? We needed to make that field goal in the first half, or we needed to not settle for field goals against Vandy. We should have blown them out of the water. Not this freaking eight o'clock. And then as it snowballed, going to the Utah State, even if the players did it, and I said it, man, even if the players did it, 
it's on me. You know what? I should have had my special teams quality control guy standing in front of him, telling him to wait until I gave him the signal. It was my fault. Blame yourself, even if they did run out. And if they did, then you know what? That's still on you for not freaking having him prepared for that. But then, I mean, just all the way down to being ejected. Like you said, it. he either said the magic word or you had a ref that just with a quick trigger. This place, this rule has been placed in since 2016. He was just the second coach to ever get tossed. The other one is former his former offensive coordinator at Bowling Green last month in or in October. Okay. So that either means that they have zero respect for him as a coach. And they're like, you know what? Get this guy out of here. We're not going to do it. Or he dropped a magic word. And then they just come out and say, oh, it is a total rebuild. Again, just zero accountability. I think it, I think he could have appeased a lot of people if he just came out and said, look, I'm, I'm sorry. We did not put a good product out there. It's unacceptable. It's on me. We, we're going to fix it. We got to figure out a way to fix it. You know, but there was every, every day there was a new excuse. And I have yes, there was some validity to the injuries this year. We, we got hit hard in some spots, but I've never seen a coach openly day after day talk about the injuries being a factor with why we're losing. I mean, at some point that starts getting ingrained with the players, you know, you give them that excuse and, you know, that's why coaches say, Hey, it's a next man up thing. You know, injuries happen, happens to everybody. Everyone's getting injured, you know, but with him, it was a crutch and, yeah. And, and as true as it may be, I just, I don't, you don't hear a lot of coaches talking about that. And then even after, you know, what, what about when he was just in the last couple of weeks talked about, well, he talked about howdy doody, uh, Troy Calhoun, you know, he's like, well, if you don't believe me, you know, the, the coach across the field was telling us what a good job we're doing. Well, okay. Some nice yeah. platitudes from the coach that just whip your ass on your own field, you know, hey, you're heading in the right direction. That's, that's the validity that we're supposed to hang our hat on. Yeah. That, that it started just getting absurd, I think. Um, you know, and all that being said, I, I actually found myself starting to feel bad for him a little bit. Um, I don't think he's as bad of a guy as everybody makes him out to be, but um, you know, he 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 honestly didn't have a chance. Like he didn't have a chance with me. I gave him I I came around, but at the beginning, he never had a chance with most of our fans, and most of our fans never got on board, not even not even when we even at three and three, people were not believing, you know, and there was a lot of people that didn't, he came here doing during COVID, you know, had to deal with that. And all, all the allegations that started happening with him around that there was an investigation right, right off the bat. It was mostly into Bobo's program that kind of trickled into his early days, you know? So that's his first impression of coming to CSU from across the country, dealing with the media that was basically out to get him uh, a fan base that never really welcomed him. You know, and, and uh, that was kind of his impression of this program, the city and, and the media and everything. And he had, what, four games canceled last year. So he got, he got only four games in. That's a tough way to build your, you know, start off your tenure and to, to build a program with that minimal, minimal amount of games. But at the end of the day, he had inexcusable, inexcusable performances and losses. And I'm not even counting, like you said, the South Dakota State game. You can even almost ignore that one, even though they did have three FCS losses this year. But Vanderbilt, no way you should lose to a two and ten Vanderbilt team at home ever. Um, you lose six straight to end the season. You you weren't even competitive in the border war against a bad Wyoming team, dude. The Wyoming started four and zero, and then what did they lose four straight before they got healthy yep. on us and whipped us? They <laughs> finished two and six down the season. And then you should never, I don't care how good Nevada has gotten, you should never, ever get blown out by them at home. Um, that's a disgrace. And, you know, the talking down to the media saying we're this close, and you could, if you're new football, you could see it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it just became a fiasco. I, I was looking at some of the, the stuff. Yeah. I mean, was there some team building in, in culture going on? I, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think the players will attest to that. Um but, you know, their, their three wins came against teams that averaged four wins this season. Um, you lost to the FCS team. You lost to Vanderbilt. You lost uh, – and one of the things he, he said that he was bringing that shouldn't take multiple years to implement or to, to, to see signs of improvement was that he was going to instill discipline in the program, right? We were, we were 105th in penalties per game. 
121st in penalty yardage per game. So we're at the very bottom of FBS football. Ranked 79th in turnovers and 82nd in turnover margin. Um, we didn't take care. We were not disciplined. We didn't take care of the ball. We didn't. We weren't playing clean football games. So those were the things he said he was bringing, and they weren't showing up. So not only were you not winning and, and getting better as a season, we were just seeing the basic things that he promised not coming to fruition. 92nd in scoring offense per game. It was a boring. It was a boring team to watch. So you know, I think at the end of the day. You know, one of the things I was going to ask Joe is, you know, he had, he had stood firm on this, you know, continuity and patience. But, you know, when you see 10,000 people at at Canvas, you know, at what point does that does knowing your fan base is off They're They're they've jumped off ship. At what point does that do you have to flip the switch and change your mind, even if though you don't believe it? And obviously he he flipped the switch regardless. So well, and, and you look at the trickle down effect. Now, last last Saturday, I love I had a great time last Saturday, other than the football game. You know, we got up there early, parked our cars, walked over to Fuzzies. We were at Fuzzies at 10 o'clock, 1030. Had a couple drinks, breakfast, and then we walked over to the CSU UNC basketball game. Now, there was 4,300 fans for that game. Now, that should have been a day where we get six. Six uh, six thousand five hundred, at least, and then everybody goes and starts tailgating and goes to the basketball game. Now I know personally, I know probably ten people, ten of my friends who didn't go to the didn't go at all on Saturday, that would have done both. That their them and their entire families would have done both. That was probably just people I know, probably fifty unused basketball tickets total because they didn't want to go and watch that freaking product on the football field. Now that's just me. I can't, I'm guessing there's probably another hundred people just like me. That's a lot of freaking tickets that were unused. You know, that's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of seats that should have been in Moby for that game. So this isn't just, this wasn't just a, you know, we had 17,000 announced for football. This cost, this cost the basketball team too. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you know me, Mike, I, I don't miss games unless there's something, there's a serious conflict, you know, and uh, for the first time, I, I don't know if I've ever done it where I've just chose not to go to a game. I chose not to go last Saturday. And I'm really glad that I, I did. Um, you know, I wasn't feeling real great that day. So that was part of it, but I definitely didn't want to suck it up to go watch bad football at seven o'clock at night. And um, so you're right. I mean, that's, if that's happening with, with people that have never done that before, you can imagine that the average fan that, you know, is looking for something to do on Saturday night is certainly not going to show up. All right, let me pause real quick and encourage you to get to Ginger and Baker. It is the best place for food and drinks in all of Fort Collins. The atmosphere is unbelievable. Cafe restaurant is our go-to when we're up there. My daughter is going to be ecstatic when I take her there next Friday. She's going on a campus tour college next year, and uh, she cannot wait for the chicken pot pie. If you've never been to the Cash restaurant upstairs, it's a little more fancy. They got steaks, chops, fresh fish. It is amazing dining. I cannot recommend this place highly enough. The Colorado Eagles were in for a team building event at the teaching kitchen just the other day. That's how first class this place is. And if you're looking for some good holiday gifts, Christmas gifts for your significant other, the gift shop is awesome. Some great stuff in there. They've got custom gift baskets. So really think of Ginger and Baker as your go-to place for holiday gifts this year. It's my favorite spot in all of Fort Collins. Support Ginger Graham. All right, Michael. So you wonder what uh, Joyce's role, Mike. I mean, I, I I think you have more relationship. I don't know her very well at all, but you know, you wonder what her role in this was. Was you know, was this truly in unison? Hey, Joyce and Joe, sit down. And what do you think, Joyce? And what do you think, Joe? And you know, were they in in unison in their in their thinking, or what? Did she have to be sold on this, or was it her saying? look, I'm tired of this. We need to get this right. You know, it's, that's, that's, I'm curious about that. And, and I don't know if you can glean anything from it, but I would like to know if our president is, is engaged in these matters. I, I would, I would like to, 
I would like to hear from her. It would have been good if, if she spoke. I know that <laughs> Al Yates definitely spoke whenever he fired, fired Earl Bruce. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> going back to that press conference, an all-time classic. That was a classic. Um, you know, Tony was there when, when we let go of Bobo. I think Penley was there when, when we let go of, of – Sunny, obviously, that's a completely different situation. Mm-hmm. So I, I would love to hear from her. Here, the, you know, I, I haven't had very many interactions with her, but I know that the first time, her first official CSU event, I mean, she flat out said, because someone asked her, like, well, what about athletics? And she's like, I come from West Virginia. We're not used to losing there. And I, and I expect that to happen at CSU too. I mean, that was... She said that in front of uh, alumni group at, at the Rockies game. And when people are like, oh, she never even goes to the games. I've seen her every game. She drives. <laughs> she is driven. Not she drives. She is driven in her golf cart through our parking lot. I've seen her at every every CSU home game going through. So she's not freaking ducking these games. She's there. She was in Iowa City. You know, it's not – I mean, that needs to get tossed right now. I do know I have heard from people that I trust that are near her that said that she was not happy with what was going on in football. And this was a month ago in that. And so you could take that for however you want. I know I, I, I mentioned it on the board a month ago, but that she was not happy with what she was seeing. So how much he was involved, who knows? Uh, Joe, what probably wasn't happy either. I, I think this 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 change I think happened after the probably after the Wyoming game. I, I, I honestly think that that was just seeing some of the interactions during the Air Force game that next week. It kind of felt like, yeah, this is this is coming to an end. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, it would be interesting. I'd love to have her on, personally. I, I I think that it would be great for her to answer so many of these questions that Ram Nationers have for her. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's um, let's talk about candidates. I, first, I I mean the one everyone's talking about and has been the case for the last three. I guess the last two searches and now this one is going to be Tony Alford, former running back at CSU. He's wanted the job both times. He's, he's, he's been declined both times in favor of someone else. Um, I know that um, after the, after this last one, when they hired Dazio, I I saw him, you know, he just basically just kind of stops replying to all things CSU. But I saw Terry Fry had written a, a story mentioning, um, Tony and, and it showed a picture of them in the freedom bowl. And, and he says, you know, I, I'm not really talking Colorado state these days, but that picture brought up some good memories, but you know, that just goes to show you there's some damage that's been done. So I don't know if he would still be interested. You'd think he would, I mean, it's come chance to come home, probably double your salary at, at least, you know, but uh, what, from a standpoint of a candidate, are you a fan of him? I know, I know we talked about this a little more than a year ago, you know, at some point, you know, CSU, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. If you're going to hire a person of color, he's our best choice. Um, and if, and if that's a prerequisite, I mean, cause we have talked about it, you know, last year with the, the Wesley Berry incident and, and, and talking about changing the culture up there. If you're going to, I mean, if, if not, then when, um, personally, I just, it's one of those one, if it was Tony Alford from Montana state, Tony Alford from La Tech, Tony Alford from university of Houston, would we want him? Would this be a situation where you're like, you know what? 
this coach, you look at everything that he's done as a running backs, running backs coach, we need to hire him. And I think that answer is no. You know, if he didn't go to CSU, even with that resume, we wouldn't, why would we gamble and bring in a running, running backs coach? Um, and then again, at some point, why hasn't he been a coordinator? You know, why hasn't he, I mean, he started off coaching at, at a, a lower level. I think he was at, I think he was at FC, uh, FCS team for a while. Why not take a head coaching job there? If like, if you really want to be a head coach, why not take a coordinator job at a G5 school? Why not take a head coaching job at an FCS school? And he hasn't done that. So I, I again, if it's Tony Alford from SMU, we don't, we don't bring him in. We don't even consider him. Well, so my retort to that would be, I'm thinking of uh, what's the guy's name from Arkansas, Sam, Sam Pittman. Now, has he ever been more than an OL coach, an offensive line coach? I don't think so. And he was hired by Arkansas, right? And he, 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 all right. So let me, hold on. I'm going to pull this up. All right. So he, yeah. Offensive line coach throughout his entire career, everywhere he was. Now there's a couple of times that he was also assistant head coach, um, but he made that jump from a position coach to a head coach at Arkansas and he's doing a damn good job there in one year. So he is, but he also, he also had time at, at Arkansas. You know, he was there for three years at Arkansas with, uh, oh man, I can't think of him. The guy that was at uh, Wisconsin, uh, uh, Belemi. He was, he was there for three. Yeah, yeah. He was there for three years and was an associate head coach there. So that's a little bit different. I mean, if, if he was the running backs and assistant head coach at CSU and then went somewhere else, I would have no problems with that because that's, it's, it's almost like the, the, the Boise state model always hiring from within. So to me, that's, that's an, that's almost an in, in house hire. Well, I, I don't know if that necessarily matters. I mean, uh, right now, Tony is the assistant head coach at Ohio State. He's been that for the last six years, uh, assist, assistant head coach, running backs coach. But what, I mean, is a pedigree at spending six years at, at Ohio State of all places, uh, Notre Dame, you know, all, where else has he been? Louisville, um, I can't remember where else. But, uh, I mean, the guy – I don't, I think that that's being overplayed. I think everybody, every, every situation is different. You know, maybe he likes his role. He's making a crap load of money there, you know, and he, he gets to compete for national championships every year. Um, They love him there. He's got great relationships. So, you know, I think that, I think there's a, um, I think, I, I, I don't think that you discount him just because we're the only one that would consider him for this role. You know, I, I think that he, He's been around football his whole life. So is his family. His brother also played football here, um, Aaron. And his dad was a longtime coach. You know, it's in his blood. And he it is. He, he recruits, he recruits Colorado already, man. And he owns this place, right? And if and if he came here, I'd have zero problems. I I, I mean, I I would prefer it over what we have just had the last two mm-hmm. hires. Okay. I mean, I I think that he I would be way more behind him than I was Mike Bobo or Steve Adazio. Yeah. Um, that said, I, I just think that, man, I just think that, that there's just some better candidates out there. Well, I'm not going to argue with that, but you know, I, I do love the idea that his players love him. I mean, you hear him talk, oh, yeah. very, very eloquent, sharp. I love listening to him talk. You know, I, I pull up his interviews on YouTube and you know, he, um, I think he's a great relationship builder and he he's, he would be in from where we are right now in, in talent and it's going to be a bear cupboard next year. You're going to see a lot more transfers. I bet, especially some of the guys that came from the East coast, just to be here with Adazio, he's going to have to fill a lot of holes and those relationships are going to come in handy. That recruiting ability is going to come in handy. The portal is going to come in handy, but um, so I, I don't disagree that there's better candidates or there are guys that at least if, if they said, Hey, we want to come and 
you have to give them a shot over probably a, an unproven Tony Alford, but you know, a guy like, but I, how far fetched are some of these Chris Peterson, I'd give, I put him number one, I'd give him a chance right away. I'd pay him whatever. Um, but would he do it? I don't know. See, I, I it, with him, I, I don't see him coming here. I mean, honestly, if he wanted to get back into, co- I mean, cause he quit mid season at Washington at UW. And if he wanted to get back in coaching, I don't know why he wouldn't have, Hey, Boise State, I'm, I'm ready to come back. I took my shot. You know, this is home. Why he wouldn't have made that move this yeah. year, you know, to Boise. So I, I don't I don't see him doing that. I think that he – I think he's burnt out on coaching, and I don't yeah. want to burn out coach. No, I mean, he's had two years out of coaching, so maybe he's get he's kind of got his battery recharged. I'm not saying that any of these guys are willing to come to CSU. I'm just saying that that's – Yes, you were. Shut you up. might want to reach out and take your, take your shot at someone like that before you say, okay, let's, you know, and privately, you're doing it privately. No, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. exactly. You got to, you got to, you got to turn over every stone. You just have to. Yeah. We yep. have to get this right. I'd say the same thing with Gary Patterson. Would, would he come to a CSU? He probably, he probably will have some other P5 uh, opportunities, I would guess. But, you know, there's an opportunity that, I mean, that guy's, he's 100% fulfilled the blueprint of what CSU was trying to do. I mean, he took a, a team from the, the what CUSA to the WAC, to the mountain West, to the big East, to the big 12. I mean, he's yeah. taken with five different conferences because they've excelled. He's got all those ties into Texas recruiting. Wow. Would that be amazing? You know, is he the right personality? I, I've, I was always liked him, but you know, I, I don't think he's the, an Adazio type, but uh, I don't know. I, I think that, and he was, he's a guy that kind of followed the, the Lubick model of, of coaching, you know, in relationships. So he, he would be, he would be right up there for me. And I, I think you take a, a home run swing at, at those two couple guys um, just to see. And if not, I'm, I'm, I'm good with, with Tony. I like, I like Gary Patterson for exactly what you said, you know, TCU when the Southwest conference split up, they were kind of the oddball in, in the whack. And then with all their, I can't even remember the coach who left to go to Alabama that was fired a little before he even coached at Alabama. Um, he took over that program and they weren't good. You got to remember LT was, was the one of the, uh, the running back there. They came to Fort Collins and we kicked their ass, you know, and, but he got him to a bowl. He got him to a bowl in the whack. And then whenever the Mountain West split and didn't bring them with us, huge mistake then, you know, they went to Conference USA and then dominated Conference USA. And then they came to the, the Mountain West and then dominated the Mountain West. And, and yeah, they, they were going to go to the Big East and then, no, we're not. We're going to go to the Big 12. He did that. He, he won in the WAC. He won in the Mountain West. And he has won in Conference USA. And he has won big time in the Big 12. So I'd have no problem bringing in a guy like that who still wants to coach. That's a, I mean, yeah, he was still coming in and helping out the new staff, Jerry Kill and those guys. I mean, whenever they made that decision at TCU, he was still in the building. You know, he didn't he didn't come in with a you know flamethrower and torch everything down. He he helped them with the transition. I mean, to me that that's kind of a stand up guy right there. Um. And so, yeah, I would love to have him. I mean, to me, he's he's my favorite favorite choice for this. And again, pipe dreams. If we hire him and bring in Tony to be the offensive coordinator, you know, <laughs> that that, I mean, that's the pie in the sky. What wouldn't happen if it did? Oh my gosh, I'd buy ten season tickets. <laughs> I do. I do like the fact of. I, I do like the thought of bringing in guys that tie in some of our past back when we were successful. Um, you know, Matt Lubick has had success as an offensive coordinator. I thought he was a fall guy, which is BS at, at Nebraska this year. Um, Billy Gonzalez is available now, you know, um, what about James Craig? Is he, is he have it? Does he have a job since getting, being let go of LSU? So there's guys out there that have, have, have performed at really high level um, programs that have ties here that would, I would love to just kind of have that tie. They're, they're not, they're not just token, you know, they wouldn't be just token hires, but they would yeah. actually, they actually are good at what they do. And they would also kind of tie into that, the, the old good old days when, 
when we had something special here and they, they could bring back some of that culture and, you know, that mentality, but all right, just let's run through a few of these and, you know, in a few words or less, you know, just so we, we could talk forever about these, but want to get your thoughts. What about Bronco Mendenhall? No, no, nope. not, a, not a, not a fan. I wasn't a fan of his at BYU. I thought they underachieved big time there. And, and it, honestly, he never, he never did anything for me at Virginia. Yep. Uh, Tom Herman would be nice, but uh, it's pretty apparent he's not gonna he's not gonna jump back into collegiate coaching. He's he's making twelve million over the next two years, so um, yeah, he's not gonna take a four million dollar pay cut to come to Fort Collins. Right, <laughs> right. What about I, I saw this in I don't remember what story it was in, but Mark Helfrich, the old Oregon coach, who uh, he had two like eleven and two or one eleven and two season, a thirteen and two season that went to the national championship game. Then they went nine and four and then they went four and eight and he was fired. Um, and he has not been in, in uh, college coaching since then. That was 2016. Then he went to the bears for a couple seasons, Chicago bears as an analyst. And then he uh, now he's with Fox sports. I don't know why he's out of coaching. Cause he had a, he had a, a pretty good career. And then even his head, his one stint as a head coach was, was not bad. He had one bad season. Uh, if, if that happened, then I, I would definitely see Matt Lubick coming in as an yeah. offensive coordinator. Agreed. Um, I don't know. That's a long time to be out of the, out of the college game, honestly. Yeah. And you, you, you got to wonder you, why. You got to wonder why he has been out. It's, exactly. What about uh, Clint Kubiak? I know he's becoming a hot commodity in the NFL. He might have better opportunities in the NFL um, here in the next several years. But obviously, he was a CSU player and um, – his dad ties here in Colorado. So I know our friend BC Johnson loves him at, um, with the Vikings. I don't see that. I, 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 you know, he's never recruited. He's always been, he's always been in the, the professional game. I see him being a head coach for an NFL team in the next five years. So I don't, I don't see that. What about some of um, like, a, a would Matt Lubick be a candidate as a head coach or Brian Schneider, you know, guys from that era. You know, Schneider, I'm, I'm kind of curious what happened in Seattle. He quit in the middle of the year last year. Was it last year or the year before that? It was the year before. I think he's back, though. Um, so you just you just kind of wonder, like, does he want the grind? Because it's more of a grind um, with the recruiting and all that. Matt, you know, I heard from somebody that I'm pretty close with. Sonny really didn't want him in, in, in the head coaching role at CSU. Kind of like the Bowdens in at Florida State. That's a lot to live up to. Yeah, yeah. Would you take Jim McElwain back? In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Um, will it happen? I don't see it happening. But if there is genuine interest on his part, I think you do. What he did is what he's doing at Central Michigan is honestly is is pretty unreal. <laughs> you know. So, yes, I would take him back. He knows the area, knows the community. I'd yeah. still take Patterson first, though. So. Yeah. What uh, – um, uh, how about <laughs> – remember when Irv Brown asked Paul Kowalczyk about Dave Logan? <laughs> Paul <laughs> Kowalczyk was like, is this a serious question? <laughs> or is this is awful? Uh, well, we know that he uh, – he recruits Colorado very well. He does. I'll say yeah. that about Dave Logan. He's always recruited well, whether he was at Chatfield or at Mullen or at Cherry Creek. We don't need to recruit players at Creek. <laughs> They're all bred from within, buddy. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, all right. I got to go. All right, bud. Awesome Sounds good. talking. Yep. Sounds go good, buddy. Out. All right. See you later, bud. Later. All right, so just uh, reading through a couple of the other names that have been thrown out there. Uh, you got Seth Luttrell, North, North Texas head coach. Jeff Choate, uh, he was the Montana State coach for years, did well there, um, was hired away by Wyoming, I believe, and then um, and now he's the Texas co-defensive uh, coordinator. Um, let's see who else here. Alex Grinch, USC defensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, USC offensive coordinator. That would kind of bring the, the air attack offense to, to Fort Collins. Interesting one, Sean Lewis. It's amazing what this young guy, I think he's 35, 36, 37, something like that, um, at Kent State. 
what he's done there is ridiculous because that's a perennial perennial bad program. And for the last couple of years, they've had the best offense in the country. They are playing in the Mac championship game this, this weekend. Um, only problem is there is, is no ties again to the West. So that probably for me would, would knock him out. I've seen Jeff trailer from UTSA on the, on the list. The guy's making 2.8 million. That is shocking to me that UTSA has become a better football program than CSU where they're paying their, paying their head football coach $2.8 million. I mean, he's basically put together two, two pretty good years. They had a really good year this year uh, and turned that into a, a nice payday, but uh, I don't see him leaving there to come to Fort Collins. Uh, Jay Hill, the Weaver state head coach, Josh Gaddis, Michigan offensive coordinator, um, Brett Vegan, the Montana state head coach, um, where my son goes to school. Um, he's done a heck of a job there. Uh, Kevin Wilson, uh, he was in the mix last time. I'm not, not on him. Um, let's see. Chris Kiffin has been mentioned. Troy Calhoun. That'd be, that'd be interesting. Um, and then Matt Wells, Matt Wells was a, he actually would not be a bad, a bad guy. I don't know if it would move the needle for fans, but um, he did a heck of a job at Utah state. Um, couldn't quite get it going at Texas tech, but um, I think that he's a guy that could probably succeed. I just don't think that would move the needle necessarily for me or for a lot of fans. So the, the thing is though, there's a lot of options out there and um, I think there's a, a lot better pool than there was last time around. And I have to think that they kind of have their, they have a short list already in mind. You know, I don't really see you starting from ground zero and getting something done in seven to 10 days, as Joe Parker has said, but um, yeah. And I'm not sure that I necessarily think that the timing, yes, there's a early signing period coming up, but you got to make sure you get this one, right. I mean, there's Joe's job is going to be on the line. CSU's football um, football livelihood is on the line here. Um, you mess this one up and we're just, in the tank probably forever it seems so um anyway it's it's a good day it's uh yesterday was a good day i didn't feel a lot of confidence that this program was going to turn around um you know always always hopeful but uh i was at the end of my hope there just wasn't seeing it so kudos to joe and joyce for making this move now it's imperative that they they close the deal by by getting the next great head coach and i like what um what Tyler Shannon said on Twitter, you know, if you go find the guy and pay him what he's worth. And if you have any doubt that he's not the right guy, he's not the right guy. So um, go, there's, there's guys out there that I feel like are home runs. Can we land them? I don't know, but uh, I'd like to see a swing, swing for the fences. And, and uh, barring those two guys, um, a couple, two or three guys that I think that have vast head coaching experience that have really excelled. Um, if those are not possibilities, I am hundred percent on board with, with Tony Alford as well. I think he would, I think he would succeed here with the right staff. I mean, he's going to have to come bring a guy in that, that probably has, you know, an assistant head coach that has led a program before, you know, the, from, from all aspects and, and whether he's an older guy or has done it at a lower level, I don't care, but you need that. And you need really strong coaches, you know, really strong coordinators and guys that are going to coach these up and really follow his lead because those are the traits you look for and that that Tony Alford would bring was that relationship building and and that educate you know the, the the educational piece that the teaching that Joe Parker was talking about in the press conference, how that's important to him. I think that he um he exudes that. Can he put together a staff that mimics that and has those same same traits and would love to see us, you know, bring back some of those roots of when CSU had good football and had a good program, good culture, um, and, and strove for nothing short of winning a championship. You know, this, this trying to get to six and six in bowl games is, is Adazio started trying to, <laughs> to communicate was what they were hoping for. That just wasn't, that's not inspiring anybody. So let's get back to where we're aspiring for championships, winning the conference and beyond. So we didn't get to talk much about this, but the basketball team has got a huge game Saturday, 2 p.m. tip-off at Moby Arena. St. Mary's coming to town. This team is good. I mean, they've got wins over Notre Dame, Oregon. They barely lost to Wisconsin in a championship game in a tournament in Vegas. And they just slipped by Utah State on Thursday night. A real controversial call. There was a rebound that uh, with 0.9 seconds left that they called a ticky-tack foul on Justin Bean, the Utah State player, and it was 80 feet away from the basket. So 
St. Mary's got a one and one made the, made the free throws and won the game with no time left essentially. And, you know, afterwards in the handshake line, I don't, things got a little chippy between St. Mary's coach, Randy Bennett and Utah state coach, Ryan Odom. I don't know what sparked it, but his behavior was bizarre to say the least kind of went out almost taunting the fans, pumping his fist, looking at him, And as he went into the tunnel and not a real cool moment, I don't think for a head coach of a university. And I'm hoping that uh, CSU fans give him a warm welcome at Moby arena on Saturday. That's going to be a big one. That's a lot of implications on that. That'll be that'll, at the end of the year, it'll be a resume builder. If you can win that one. So big opportunity for CSU. It's probably the biggest game that CSU has had at home in quite a bit of time, probably since the 2013 season, I'm, I'm guessing, but St. Mary's eight and one this year, CSU eight and oh. So hopefully you have plans already to, to be there. If not get your tickets, there's probably only a few left. I think they're expecting it close to a sellout is going to be raucous. And I cannot wait, cannot wait for basketball. All right. Thank you everybody for listening. Appreciate Mike Rowe for spending time during his one hour of this is break there at school. And uh, I want to remind you about Mighty River Brewing Company, my buddy Dan Miller, the owner. He's been pretty dejected this year about the trajectory of football. And, and uh, so he will be glad to serve you up some beer. Go celebrate with him. Uh, they got 15 beers on tap. Autumn River Pumpkin Ale is, is a good one. Great fall beer. $5 beers Mondays and Tuesdays. Brewery Bingo with prizes of free beer, coupons, gift cards. Um, they got Pizza Vino next door, and they've got food trucks regularly throughout the week. So stop in and say hi to Dan Miller. He's a longtime Ram Nationer. He's a great, great guy. He's got a great business. Show Ram Nation on your phone. Get a dollar for beer. Support these guys. You will love it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It is a good day to be a Ram. Have a great rest of your week.